With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Up a, a few weeks ago, we did some brainstorming. We have five purposes for our church, and we call them FWOGs, Fellowship, Worship, Outreach, Growth, and Service. I know I could get them eventually. Um, and there are a number of people that talked about service, and I know Joyce has a real heart for service, and so she's put some things together that she wants to share today, so I'll hand it over. So about the same time that we were talking about how we could serve, there was an article in the Panagraph, and it was, I think it was PATH. Uh, they were talking about building shelters for the homeless and little houses. Really got excited about that, but they're not ready to do that yet. But hopefully when they do that, maybe we can get a crew together and help them build a house. But right now what we're going to do is we're going to cl collect things for a sh care package for the homeless. So I have a list here of suggestions. Now, certainly there may be more than, you may come up with something even better on this list, but there's a, a list of suggestions and there's also um, gallon storage bags. So what I'd like to do today is I'd like to, to um, have a volunteer, a couple volunteers, and I'm going to pick on you too. If you want a gar uh, gallon bag, please raise your hand and we'll pass them out along with the list of what, what, what suggestions. Now, I will tell you that if you take a gallon bag, I want it brought back. I don't want it to end up in your refrigerator with food in it. If you touch this bag, you're committed to, to filling it up and bringing it back. Um, we'd like to have them back at least within a month, so don't put this on your shelf and forget about it, but please. So if you want a bag, if you want to participate in this and you want a bag, um, pass out to those and then give people a list. We will also have, we will also have um, on a table, I've got a box back on my, on my, where I'm sitting today, um, we'll have a bag you can bring stuff in. Now you don't need to bring, fill up a bag. If you don't want to fill up a bag, just bring stuff in and throw it in the box and we'll fill them up. But anyway, um, and if you know, if you work somewhere, my daughter said, well, I go to CrossFit, I'm going to put a bag out there or a box out there. So if you know someplace that maybe other people might, might commit to filling a bag too do that thank you thanks. thanks Joyce it's a perfect way it's a perfect way to show God's love to our community we did this a few years ago with homeless teenagers and it turned out just to be a really neat project and such an appreciated thing I know Susan always talks about if we can just make somebody's day better that is a beautiful thing and that is a great way to show the love of God I am excited today to bring up my friend Bonnie now you guys hear me talk about daily audio Bible a lot because I love that community and two years ago, well, actually the last two years, I've gone to this conference in Georgia, and you've heard me talk about that too. Um, and I met Bonnie there two years ago and this year, and she's one of the speakers at that conference. Came to find out that she lives in Gibson City. She's a part of the Daily Audio Bible community. So it's just been really neat. We have had a friendship grow out of that. And she told me when I was there, hey, I'm getting ready to graduate from seminary. And so I thought, oh, well, what a great... She obviously has a passion for ministry and has studied God's word and has, you know, gone through seminary. It's a big task. So we're excited to have her here today. Bonnie, I'll have you go ahead and come up. Um, so give Bonnie a friends and family welcome. Okay. 
is. It is wonderful. I guess I need to move this, and I hope I don't break that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Can you hear? Yeah. Okay. It is wonderful to be here today with you, and quite an honor to um, develop this new friendship with Megan, and yes, we met through the Daily Audio Bible, um, which is ironic when we live maybe 45 miles away, that it took something uh, like a worldwide ministry to bring two believers together, um, but it's beautiful, and um, the Bible is life-giving, so um, thank you, and beautiful worship. It was it blessed my heart this morning. So if you don't mind, I'd like to pray before I begin sharing. Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for the blessings of today. And thank you for the, the rain. Um, thank you that uh, you nourish the earth with, with your goodness, with the, with the sunshine and with the rain. And we thank you for everyone that was able to make it out today. And Lord, I just pray that the words that I speak will be your words, and the story that I share will be your story. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, my story, and, and I'll, I'll begin even before that. My story that I share at the conference is what I will share uh, with you that Megan uh, heard. So my story begins with an extraordinarily ordinary life. I was brought up in the church. I was taught to sing Jesus Loves Me, and I memorized scripture, John 3:16, before I could even read. Um, I was raised in a loving family, an imperfect family, but a wonderful family. And um, as I grew, I, I ended up leaving Michigan. That picture is actually in Michigan. Leaving Michigan, going to college in Kansas, and meeting my Illinois farmer husband in Kansas. So that's the story. We married after two years, so at the, at the wise age of 20, we were married, and at the even wiser age of 22, God gave us the gift of double trouble, our twin sons, Steve and Greg. And I can't even describe to you how special it was to bring them home from the hospital to the, the farm and, you know, the, the whole farmstead and the place that for four generations the Aarons family had run around and raised crops on. It was a blessing. Um, our life was full of the usual joys and struggles of doing marriage as husband and wife and parenting our sons. And my life especially was about being mom to Steve and Greg. Um, and, and I enjoyed all the stages they went through. I enjoyed them as babies, even more as toddlers, and even more as grade schoolers, and so on and so forth, until, um, yeah, they just, they grew and we enjoyed them. Uh, but one thing that gave us great delight was the fact that 
Steve and Greg had this incredible relationship as brothers and as best friends. And soon we had approached the boys' senior year of high school, and we were making plans beyond high school, and they were planning on going to Kansas, the same college we met. And who knows, maybe, you know, planning on bringing home their wives from Kansas the way their father did. Um, so we were busy in their senior year, and on Friday, January 17th, 2003, uh, it began as a normal Friday. We were around the breakfast table discussing the day ahead. It was the last day of first semester of their senior year. So it was yearbook picture day. So they were all excited. We were talking about the basketball game that night, making plans. And as they scurried out the door, and they were running late, I followed them to the back door, and I stood at the door, watched them buckle their seatbelts, and I said, be careful. And they left. About 10 minutes later, uh, sirens began to wail across the farm. Um, Randy had gone out to begin his daily chores. At, at the time, we had a large herd of, of um, hogs, feral to finish operation. And when he heard the, the sirens and he looked and he saw, because it's very flat where we live, he saw two miles across the fields. He could see the flashing lights and he immediately thought that's where the boys would be. And it was all he could do to stay home. He wanted to go. Um, he thought surely one of them's going to call and say, hey, Dad, we went in the ditch. But the call never came. And instead, our county sheriff drove up into the yard and saw Randy standing out and uh, told him that we needed to get to the hospital as soon as possible because the boys had been in a serious crash. In the meantime, I was in the house. I honestly did not hear sirens. But I was busy cleaning up the kitchen, and I had a sense that I needed to pray for the boys. And when, when you walk with the Lord and you feel a nudge in your heart to pray for someone, you have the choice to either obey or disobey. I didn't know why I was praying, but it was like, okay, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll pray for them. And within minutes, Randy ran through the back door and said we needed to get to the hospital. And that was the beginning of a blur of a nightmare. The closest route to our hospital meant that we drove by the crash site. And I'll never forget the agony of witnessing the sight of the remains of the car with a very certain realization that at least we had lost one son and it looked like we had lost both of them. And we'd, we were not able to drive through because there were emergency vehicles still there and investigations and all that. 
but as we as we sat waiting to get waved through, um, Randy had his hand on the on the gear shift of our car, and I reached over and grabbed his hand, and I mean we were stunned and shaken, and I said to Randy, we have been so blessed. And his reply was, we're still blessed because the boys are both in God's hands. We arrived at the hospital where there were two ambulances parked outside the emergency room and we were met at the door, taken back to the emergency room where we saw doctors working on Steve, um, intubating him. And another doctor, the one that had delivered the boys over 17 years ago, walked up to us and told us that Greg had died. And Steve was critical and was going to be transferred to Carl Hospital in Champaign. So that began a journey of grief that I had never dreamed that would be, be mine to walk. Hours later, um, I told our pastor while we were standing at Steve's bedside in the ICU that I had a realization that this is about walking through this with God, just me and God. And he pushed me on that. And my, my thought on that is the brokenness in my heart was nothing that could be fixed. It couldn't be explained. And it couldn't be reversed, at least on earth. And so I had entered a season of dis discovering God and his heart for me in deep and desperate ways that I had never experienced before. My family, my friends, my pastors, they couldn't make it better. All the right theology, all the stoic following of spiritual disciplines would not be enough. Only Jesus could be enough. Uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, who, a Christian author and psychologist, experienced a similar loss when his brother died in a plane crash. And he wrote out the prayer of his heart, and that is, Lord, I know you are all I have, but I don't know you well enough for you to be all I need. So Stephen proved after three weeks in ICU and Champaign, and he was able to be transferred to Rehabilitative Institute of Chicago. But he was still in a coma state because he was not responsive to stimuli in any consistent way. So this transfer of Steve to Chicago meant that I was also transferred to Chicago, in essence. I lived in Steve's hospital room. Um, I had to leave my home behind, the farm, our church, and most importantly, Randy had to stay home to care for a hundred sows and hundreds of 
little pigs, big pigs, um, during the week. Uh, he would he joined me on the weekends. So my life had been whittled down to living from a suitcase and sleeping in a sleeping bag on a fold-out chair beside Steve's bed. Every night I made my bed. It didn't take long. And I would place a radio, little radio that was in the room. I would place that under the head of my bed so I could listen to WMBI, the Moody Bible Institute radio station. And I would also place my Bible underneath the bed so I could reach for it each morning when I woke up. Especially in that time, God's word became my sustenance and his word provided handholds as I climbed the tenuous wall of the unknown and his word was healing balm to my broken heart. The first Sunday we were in Chicago, Randy told me he'd stay with Steve so that I could attend Moody Church. That was something I always wanted to do. I had heard, you know, different events from Moody Church from time to time on the radio. And so I thought, well, I want, I want to go visit that church. It was about a mile away from the hospital. I went into this big church. And I don't know what I expected to feel, but I felt at home. Which was strange because Moody Church was at least 10 times the size of our church in Gibson City. And I loved and I missed my church. That was a huge, huge hurt for me to leave all these supportive people behind and go to Chicago. But yet, Moody Church, I felt at home. And I remember clearly that first Sunday, the choir sang, Give Me Jesus. And I wept. It, because it was the cry of my broken heart. And so I filled out a visitor card with 50 words or less, why am I here? And why am I going to be visiting for the next several weeks? And I put it at the visitor center and left. But that card began a whole new chapter of God ministering to the deep wound of my heart. He provided an amazing church family in Chicago that embraced me in extraordinary ways. Soon, I was part of a Sunday school class. The class, oh, I'm trying to think what they were called, but they had, the average age was 70. And someone, someone gave me a listing of classes, and they said, here's all the classes, and here's all your options. And there was a list, substantial list. But they said, if you want a class, that will pray. This is your class. So we needed prayers, and that's where I landed. And, oh, I love, I love those people to this day when I visit. Um, several, several people would come from the visiting ministry of Moody Church, and at one point the pastors and the elders came and anointed Steve with oil and prayed over him. Amazing, amazing. And I, different times I would say, why are you doing this for me? This isn't my church. I'm not a member of your church. And one of the dear people said, oh, honey, you're, you're part of 
the church. You know Jesus. You're part of the church. You're part of us. So I, I grew in appreciation for what the universal body of Christ is all about. And one day, a couple weeks into Steve's uh, three-month stay, I was in the patient laundry room. And that truly was the only room that you could get away from anybody. Steve always shared a room, so there was always just a curtain between me and the next patient and that parent. So privacy just didn't exist in, in Chicago. But that, that laundry room was big enough for a washer and a dryer and a little counter. So I was busy doing my laundry, Steve's laundry, and the, the machines were buzzing like they do. And all of a sudden, I realized I was singing a praise chorus. And I couldn't believe it, because it was, it was an overflow of praise that God had restored the song in my heart. And it was, it was amazing to me to know that he could restore my song. And I shared that with a friend at Moody Church. And within a few days, I was part of Moody Church Choir. So be careful who you share your God moments with. <laughs> um, Steve's progress at RIC was erratic and sometimes seemed to go backwards. There were many scares that he would not survive. But there were amazing interventions. And, and God kept showing me that he had not forsaken me, had not forsaken Steve, had not forsaken our family. And... and small ways and in big ways. And he daily gave me eyes to see his touch, his care, his presence, and even the worst moments. One of those moments, I'd say, is Good Friday. Um, it was a rainy day in Chicago, rainy, gloomy. And Steve was back in bed after a, a full day of, of therapies. And, and I remember crying at his bedside late that afternoon but fully entering into Passion Week in a whole new way. Because I was thinking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, watching her son that she had given birth to, nurtured as a child, suffer and die. And I considered the cards and letters that people sent following Greg's death. And in those cards and letters, there were notes saying that that people came to Christ because of the memorial service or, or what was said at the funeral. Um, and, and so you, you think about that, and you think that good can indeed come through the avenue of death. And then I also thought about God, the Father, separated from his Son when my sin and the sin of the world was put on him that day, Good Friday. And it was a moment that I began to see that my heartbreak was nothing new to God. And I saw in a profound way that his heart for his son and his heart for us is love, amazing love, costly love. So in the months and years that followed, 
uh, Steve has exceeded his doctor's expectations, and he's disabled by brain injury. It's true. Uh, this morning when we were eating breakfast, he still has a lot of difficulty swallowing. He has a lot of difficulty speaking. He has balance problems. He has cognitive problems. He has emotional problems. A lot. But he's able to work on the farm with his dad, which is amazing. And we walk by faith day by day. We don't know what the next day brings. So it's now 13 years since the crash, and the tyranny of the urgent was caring for Steve's immediate needs in the hospital and the therapies and the appointments through the months and years. And through that, I realized that in the quiet moments, that grief was still very present in my heart. It was one of those things I was able to set on the shelf and take care of the immediate. But as things improved with Steve, uh, I needed to deal with that grief. So in 2010, I attended Grief Share at a local church. And um, that class was painful. It was painful. It felt like the, my heart that had kind of, sort of healed, I thought, had been freshly raked raw again because step-by-step um, step, grieving was a process that was presented as something to walk through, into and through. And while it was painful, I see that it was also God's loving way of preparing the soil of my heart um, to serve because for the past five years, I've been leading Grief Share now in Gibson City. And we've found that it isn't necessarily people from our church family that are part of the Grief Share group now, but it's, it's people from other nearby communities and other churches that come to a safe place. And I've seen a lot of God healing people and giving, restoring joy. So how does this all package up? It isn't neat. <laughs> There's nothing neat. But when I was thinking about this, Yesterday, the tyranny of the urgent snuck in again, and last night, um, my husband was, was um, oh, what do they call it? They were grinding, well, it wasn't grinding. They were in the field, they were chopping silage to feed the cattle. That's what they were doing, with like a 40-year-old chopper. I'm not a farm girl. Um, but so they were they were working and and it just was getting later and later and about eight o'clock I went out and the young men that were working with him were still there. I was shocked. I thought it's time for supper. Aren't we done? And they said, Oh no, no, we're not done. So so and they said, and by the way, Randy lost his phone. 
So you can't call him, you can't text him. Oh, so I ran into Gibson City, bought them some pizza, ran back home. Now this is after eight o'clock, you know where the sun is by then. And I'm thinking I have to go out and find that phone because the battery's going to die. And so got the young men taken care of with pizza. And I turned on a program on my phone that in theory tells you where the phone is. So I tried that out. Sun is going down. There is no sun. There's just streaks of light in the sky. So I ended up following what the phone told me, and I ended up on a gravel pathway. And then when I clicked, I was still a long ways away, but I was, I was absolutely even with where his phone was, supposedly. So I walked. I walked through a cornfield. Then I got to a drainage ditch. I found the, the um, place in the field that they had actually um, piled, freshly piled some dirt over this drainage ditch pipe. So I walked over that. It's dark. It's uneven. <laughs> but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. And finally, it looked like I was almost right on the spot. So I called and I listened. And sure enough, that phone was five steps away from me. It was under a pile of what they had cut, uh, waiting to be bailed up. And so I dug, and I could kind of see a, a little glimmer of light. I picked up the phone. It's broken, but there was a signal that was still going out. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, God knows where we are. God knew where I was. And even though I was broken and my heart, in some ways, barely had a signal, deep down I was reaching out, longing to be found by his love and his grace in the midst of the worst. And God found me. He pursued me. He pursued me through his people. He pursued me by showing me visible signs of his love and care. And so I guess what I'd like to leave you with is the first thing that God was always there, no matter the circumstances of being in Chicago, no matter the fact that there were days that Steve went backwards or that it seemed like nobody was there for me because Randy was 100 miles south, there would always be that call or that email that showed up. Um, God was always there. And I think about the, the verse in the Bible, um, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shoal, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, 
Even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. We had that read at Greg's memorial service. The other thing that I learned and I hope to uh, share with you all is that God seeks us with purpose. Just like I was purposefully out there seeking that phone, uh, we needed the phone. Randy needs the phone. That's his office. <laughs> and and uh, probably right now or soon, he'll be getting a new office. <laughs> but God also has purpose. He doesn't seek us to seek us. He seeks us because he has plans and designs and purposes for us. And his purpose is to do good. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And this is Isaiah prophesying about Christ. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. I feel that God has sought me purposefully to bind up my broken heart. And in some ways, as I lead grief share, to be able to proclaim to those that are in the class that there is freedom from the chains and uh, just the burden of being overwhelmed by grief. The third thing, and I think the overarching thing, is God's love is unending, and it's the basis, the only basis of our hope. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Precious words. It is the love of God that reaches us, that stays with us, that brushes off the pieces of wheat and grass and picks up our brokenness and makes us new again. I, uh, there's a hymn that I sang when I was a child. was always fascinated by it. I'd like to share the words with you. I won't sing it. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. And the last verse is especially, um, it, it, it moves me deeply. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk, yeah, like those stalks that will bind up in the field, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. 
nor could the scroll contain the whole. They'll stretch from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forever more endure the saints and angels' song. So we, and I say we meaning Randy, Steve, and I, do not have a storybook ending. But we know that God is faithful. And we have hope in Christ and his resurrection power that gives strength to live here each day. But we'll also, also someday make all things new and as they should be. And I can honestly say I know that I know that Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted because of his amazing work of healing in me. Can we pray? Father, thank you for love that is indescribable. Thank you for love that seeks us with purpose. And thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, but only want our good. Your heart is good toward us. We bless you. We bless your name. And we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
Bonnie. What a waste of makeup today. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Let's give her a round of applause for being with us here today. Woo! That combined with that song, Anjanelle. You know, his holy presence does live within us. How cool is that? How amazing is that? We can never cease to be amazed by that fact. And it's so evident through the lives of people like Bonnie and through the lives that we get to share with one another, and I, I especially appreciate her comments about the church, the, the Big C Church, and you're now part of us too. So um, speaking of that, and speaking of next week, our celebration, our birthday celebration, out on Facebook I had posted, but for those of you that, that aren't Facebook folk, um, we sincerely next week want to do something special in the service, and one of the things is I, I need for you to seriously consider, if you would please, uh, coming forward at a particular time in the service where we're gonna talk about why here? Why do you come here? Why do you choose to fellowship and associate yourself with friends and family? So you've got a week to think about it. You only have to be in front for a couple of s sentences if that's something that is concerning to you. But I think it's important that we share that with one another, especially at a time of celebration for the fact that we have been, as a body, uh, specifically 10 years together. So think about it. I encourage you to do that, and we'll be about some special stuff next week. We're going to close today with one last song. We've been kind of focusing on this idea of thriving this year, um, not just surviving, but thriving. And I love the song Thrive. You guys are getting to know it where it talks about our t the two things, our digging into God's word and knowing him better, and then sharing and loving and serving the world. And so that's what we're all about. So sing this last song with us.
by the water will never will run dry.
a great week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.